What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Daniel James, the second host right here on Black Voices on the Hill. Listen, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor today, Business Leaders of Colors. It is a group of small business owners committed to social justice. That's why they're partnering with WVBR 93.5 FM and Black Voices on the Hill to demonstrate the importance of Black history and women's history today, tomorrow and always. They support overlooked, underrepresented business owners of colors by providing resources and key connections that level the playing field. They strive to build a supportive market for commerce that benefits all underserved members of their business community. To learn more, please visit businessleadersofcolors.com or give them a call at 607-279-7835. Now back to the episode, y'all. What's up, family? It's your boy, Daniel James II. I'm your host right here on Black Voices on the Hill. Black Voices on the Hill is a podcast and radio show for the culture. We center Black lives, amplify Black stories, and enhance the Black experience at Cornell, Greater Ithaca, and beyond. Black Voices on the Hill topics range from racism, police brutality, colorism, sexism, to Greek life leadership and white elitism in the Ivy League. Black Voices on the Hill envisions a Cornell that's sensitive to the plight of its Black students, aware of the Black excellence in its college town, and unashamed about them changing the world. Y'all, I want you to be sure to follow Black Voices on the Hill and WVBR FM News on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Go to our website, wvbr.com slash black voices. Subscribe to us. Leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Overcast, and tune in right here on WVBR 93.5 every single week. Listen, I have two very special uh, guests today. Um, Two young ladies that I consider to be um, mentors, you know, they're just awesome. Um, in ILR, I met them in ILR. I, I, I'll talk later about how I met each of them individually. But I have on the show today, I have Miss Tyler Korea White and I have Miss Tyler Dixon. Can y'all say hey to the people? Hey, everyone. Oh my goodness. Um, this is going to be awesome. So, this is the Tyler's episode, y'all. And then we're going to have another Tyler next week. So, I want to just ask y'all because y'all took, you know, about 20 minutes to get on the call because y'all were doing y'all hair. So like, you know, um, what have y'all been doing today? And then what have y'all been doing? Um, just where have y'all been in mentally, the space y'all been in quarantining, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, I can start. Um, so today, um, woke up, went to the gym, come trying to, you know, start the new year, right? Getting a great body, a great, you know, physical well-being can help with, you know, the outer appearance and how you are feeling mentally. So I'm working on that now. Um, after that, I'm working on a Johnson & Johnson case competition for tomorrow. So um, I met with my group project on that um, and then got ready to, to talk to you guys today. And um, I would say that, like, how I'm doing mentally, I feel like I am entering the space of where I feel like I can do it all. I'm trying to, you know, get into the tune of not limiting myself. I know we have so many hours of the day, so I'm trying to allocate it to doing as much as I want to do and making sure that I cross all things off the list that I intended to do today. Um, just because I feel like last year COVID happened and it sort of slowed a lot of things down, which was great, but the momentum is picking up for the new year. So I would say that I, I can accomplish a lot today so far. Um, it's still more to accomplish. So passing off to you, Ty. Uh, for me, so basically like because I graduated already, so this semester I'm really just taking it to focus on my health because my job doesn't start until um, what would be the end of this semester. So I feel like 
God did that to me on purpose because I really needed to buckle down. Um, so I've been doing physical therapy um, to help with my autoimmune issues that I've been dealing with. Um, and then other than that, I just chill and been watching TV. And, you know, I try to tell myself I shouldn't feel bad for like relaxing and not doing anything because that's still doing something. It's still me taking care of like myself, my mind and being able to set time aside to relax. So that's basically what I've been doing. No, I love it. I absolutely love it. Taking time mentally and just to reflect, I think definitely to all of our listeners, especially our people of color listeners, our black listeners, um, I think taking those times to realize like, yeah, you can use like even the most distressing moments like what we're in right now, COVID quarantine um, to focus more so in introspectively, you know, what do I need to be, this can serve as a launching pad for the rest of your life. That's what this past year I've viewed it as or tried to view it as. And I have to be mentally well to be able to do that. So that's really great. So if I, if y'all were, you know, doing a TED talk or if you were at an interview and they said, give us a one minute pitch, because let me tell you, they're probably confused. Okay. Which Tyler was talking? Cause y'all had the same inflection. Y'all, you can tell your friends. So uh, give us a, a pitch, each of you, who you are, where you're from, school, et cetera. Yeah. Should I go? Okay. I'll go. So um, I'm from Hughesville, Maryland, uh, but right now I'm staying in Tyson's Corner, Virginia with my sister. Um, so yeah, growing up, I grew up in PG County actually. So I grew up around like the black community, except when I got to high school, I actually moved. So I was at a predominantly white high school. Um, and that really, I feel like prepared me a little bit for the real world and how people will treat you being a person of color. Um, but then I got to Cornell uh, and the thing is, like, I didn't plan on going to an Ivy. I didn't plan on going to Cornell. Uh, but when I visited, I just fell in love with the campus. And I really think, like, that's where I was meant to be. Um, so I'm in the ILR school. And I truly think ILR doesn't owe me anything else. I absolutely loved it. Um, I loved how it was small. I loved how, like, a lot of my classes had the same people in it. So like you're working with the same people, studying with the same people all, throughout all four years. And then um, what else should we include in this? Are we talking about like careers or just like- It can be anything. I mean, you can, but we're definitely gonna talk about that later, Tyler Dixon, so. Okay, then I'll just include some hobbies. So like I was really into music. I still am. Um, but like I said before, like I struggled with autoimmune issues. So that really like kept me from being as involved in music as I would like to be, but I'm picking that back up. Um, so I play the piano, I play the viola. And some other things I like to do on the side, I love to cook and I love journaling. Journaling actually was the result of the quarantine. And like, I get to get all of my thoughts out on paper because I am by myself a lot. So yeah, those are some of the things that I do for fun. Wait, Tyler Dixon, you never told me, I didn't know you. Were musically inclined when that start yeah yeah <laughs> that started when i was five actually um so yeah like when i got to cornell i did a couple performances i played the viola but like i said like and the crazy part is that was going to be my my major music production but then you know like i don't regret doing ilr but like people do get in your head like okay what are you going to do with that degree like what are you going to do like so i think that really got into my head as far as like me pursuing music as a full-time career. 
but I still want to make sure that it stays in my life as a hobby. Tyler Career White. Yeah, I just want to add a little tidbit. You guys got to see Tyler play. Like, she's amazing. I remember from his Black and Gold, was it our freshman year she played? And it was Mm -hmm. like, she played with her dad. Oh my gosh, it was probably the most beautiful things you can see. So I wish you guys were were here to see that, but that was our freshman year. Um, But I can go next. Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Tyler. Um, I am from Brooklyn, New York. Um, Born and raised to a single Black mom. I'm in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I'm half Jamaican, half Colombian. So those two identities were very much like, you know, a huge thing in my life growing up, especially because I was, you know, raised by the predominantly black side. So definitely struggled with there with like identity a little bit. Um, but definitely in my community, growing in a black, like low income community, I always had an interest or a passion for finding solutions um, where I live, wherever I lived. Um, so I grew up all the way all around Brooklyn, New York, um, moved from Bar- Brownsville to Flatbush to Carnarcy and all over. But um, when I came to college, I wanted to pursue higher education just because I wanted to find ways to give back to my local community back at home. So um, ended up at Cornell joining um, the Black Women's Support Network my freshman year, um, becoming a boss, mentee, and now a mentor. Um, also helping to start the founding um, Ebor Black Gen Capital, which is a finance organization, um, and like so many other things. But like, also, I can't, even, can't forget this. Um, I joined the sorority, the Miguel Chapter Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. So I did a lot of things in college just because I wanted to test myself and, and test my passions. Like, I also am passionate in finding those solutions that, to problems that plague the world. Um, and then bringing those solutions back home, whether it be me learning, you know, how to be a better mentor and boss and now mentoring kids that live in my building back at home and stuff like that. But I would say that like on term, in terms of like the passions and like my hobbies now, um, I'm definitely interested in like fashion and I'm going into like trying to to start my own fashion line. So I'm in this class um, at Cornell. So we're doing a lot of graphic designing um, and stuff like that. So that's something I do as a hobby just because I learned that I was someone that can give you ideas and can be creative, but I didn't know how to translate that creativeness into like like producing a product that I would love it for, to, for it to look like. So now I would say like, now I'm actually, actually testing those skill sets and like learning how to, you know, create my own fashion line that I, you know, want to pursue. So that's something that I do on the side. Um, so yeah. Man, y'all are both like black women, like creatives and just artistic in your own ways. It's, it's really interesting to think about that. Most of the Black women that I know, whether you're in STEM, whether you're humanities, they all have sort of this creative aspect. And you sort of do, before we got on the call, um, me and Tyler Career White, we're talking about just like feeling as though, did we come into Cornell feeling a path was already made for us or do we have to create one, right? How do you feel Cornell or being a black girl at, or black woman at Cornell uh, supported you? Or do you feel like Cornell supported your creativity? Who, where did you go to find that support you needed? Hmm. You want to start, Ty? Yeah, I, yeah, I can start. Um, I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking about that. I feel like there were a little bit of limitations on what you can do and you cannot do here. I think there were a lot of unspoken rules about you do like about whether or not you doing too much would be considered a problem. Um, because you can, if you were a part of one organization, that's what all you can do. You know, I feel like there were limitations on that. And I feel like there were a little bit of limitations or there was there. I feel like there were set pathways for you. So like, if you did this organ, you joined this organization, you were, 
expected to become the president of this organization just by simple of uh, simple lineage of how Cornell works, you know? And I feel like that probably like limited a lot of us um, black women um, for what we can do. Cause it feels like um, we were speaking with like upper class women that like did traditional pathways, like went to ILR and was a part of Malarso, didn't really, you know, do a lot of organizations outside or, and then ended up going into like HR. And I feel like these were like, I don't know, I feel, I don't know about you, Tyler, but I feel like that was a consistent thing that I like heard from a lot of black women in the upperclassmen. But then I feel like, I feel like we like sort of like did like sort of distorted that kind of like tradition, end up going, doing whatever we kind of wanted, doing whatever type of opportunities we wanted to do, doing whatever organizations we wanted to join and feeling like we can do, you know, as much as we can. Like we didn't have to just stick to just social organizations. We joined other things, you know, so. I think that definitely like there was a limitation on what you can and cannot do. I agree with Ty. I felt like both. Okay, like if we're talking from like inside Cornell, yes, I feel like as a black woman, like it's that classic path that black women, especially in ILR take, just like Tyler was saying. But as far as like before I got to Cornell and like when you get there and it's like, okay, like these white kids' parents probably went here too or like, they know somebody that like, they already have their job set up before freshman year, like of what they're gonna do. So I feel like at the same time, there isn't a path because like my parents own a small business and neither one of them have their degree. So it's like, I don't have those connections to like already have my path made. Like, and I feel like that's something that a lot of minority students deal with at Cornell because we don't have like, it's not in our family to like, oh, work for Johnson Johnson, work for Goldman Sachs, like automatically have it set up for us because of who we know. We have to work on our own and get there. So I feel like it's both. Um, And I would definitely say like being an ILR, yes, you can do so much with a degree, but at the same time, I feel like the opportunities you get like in your internships will set you up for what you do when you graduate, which I kind of have mixed feelings about, but I guess we'll get into that later when we talk about our careers. Mm. Yeah, that that ILR career path is definitely something I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do right now. So um, that's that's bringing up some trauma for me. Uh, so I want to ask you a question: Did y'all see coming to America too? Not yet. Came oh. Not yet. <laughs> it came out like Friday, right? <laughs> it came out Friday. Okay. Um, so let me ask you this then: I I'm a guy, right? And um, before we got on the little call, like I uh, did a little snarky remark at the beginning. I was like, y'all, they took 20 minutes coming on here. They even told me, you know, I got to get my hair done before I can come on the interview. <laughs> and I don't understand those types of things always, right? Um, and I just remember this recent um, incident or recent, you know, national, you know, incident that was very funny. Um, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about because I told y'all what I was going to ask you about. Um, this was... I want you guys' perspective on this situation. Um, there was this girl that's been referred to as the Gorilla Glue Girl, right? Um, and it sort of died down now, but since it's March and it's Women's History, I suppose, we might as well, I might as well ask you guys about it. What's your perspective on, you know, the situation in the nicest and kindest way that you can say it? But what's your perspective sort of on the situation or just... Black women's beauty standards in general, and what do you feel like is are the standards that you're held to that maybe even could have led to her to decide Gorilla Glue is the right thing to use on my hair? I feel like here's the thing. I feel like when that came, when that happened, everybody was like, 
oh, she's so stupid. She's this, she's that. But it's like, do you really think that she wanted to do this to herself? Like, do you think that she wanted her hair to be like this? No, like, I think it was an honest mistake. And the thing about it is like, because I think she got it confused with, um, it's like a line of like Gorilla hair products that are actually for hair. And I, I honestly think she got confused. But like, even before I got on this call, like I was using like one of their products to spray the sides of my hair down. And I feel like nowadays it's like, Black women have to have their edges laid. They have to have their hair slicked down. Like, don't let any of like your curls come up or like your, your, like the sides of your hair not be laid down perfectly. And I feel like there's so much pressure to like have the sleekest ponytail, the sleekest bun. And it's hard. Like, it's a lot of work. I'm not even going to lie. It's a lot of work. And I feel like that's just the perfect example of how far Black women go to have their hair like laid. And I'm just glad she got it fixed because I genuinely felt bad for her. Like, and I think it was an honest mistake. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Ty. Like, I feel bad for her too, especially because I felt bad that nobody knows her real name. Like now she's been coined as the Gorilla Glue Girl. And I feel like it wasn't her intention to, to have that happen to her. Like she was showing, she was sending a video to tell you not to do that. You know, like this is the mistake that I made. Don't do this. You know, this is not who I am as a person. I remember seeing a video saying that this is, she was saying that this is not who I am as a person. I just wanted to warn people for making that mistake. And I do agree with you, Tyler. I feel like the standards in society is that you have to have your hair sleek down. I think that she might have like thought logically, like, okay, like this is something like it's giving you the glue consistency. Let me just do a little one, two, three. Cause I feel like a lot of black people, you know, have a lot of like, they use a lot of like household, pro- not household products, let me not say that, but like they use a lot of other things to try to make them look good in certain ways. So like, it's not out of the norm for black people to do something like that. Like we've heard in different cultures of like people bleaching their skin with products, like doing things like that. So I wouldn't say that like, I'm not mad at her. Like I'm not mad at her just because it's something that has been done in our community before, you know? And I understand where that society's expectation was on set on her to have to, you know, look a certain way or, or like just get her hair laid or sleek for the gods, you know? So I feel like I'm not going to be mad at her for that. I'm just upset a little bit that her name has been coined the Gorilla Goo Girl, you know, that like she's not, her name is not, nobody really knows her name. And I think that's a big problem. Um, but nonetheless, she got it fixed and I'm so happy for her that she feels better about that. Cause I know that like for some black girls, hair is everything. So I, I do feel for her in that regard. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, let me just say her name. Her name is Tessica Brown. Okay, Tessica Brown. We love you, Tessica. And those are real perspectives. I like hearing from the two of you on that, um, the, the grace side of that perspective. When I thought about it, I was like, well, yeah, Black people in general, we, we do use some stuff. And we've had to, right? In some instances, listen, you got that last bit of this product, use that. You know, um, I, I can't even imagine like um judging her at this point just knowing and thinking back on my own life and things that we've had to do just to make it whether it was for a church on sunday or whether it was for you know it it could be literally anything um so yeah shout out to tesca brown i i want to ask specifically about tyler career white and to get into more about you individually First time I met Tyler Career White, I remember I was coming to admissions at ILR. I don't remember what I was looking for. I don't remember if it was uh, a pen or it was one of those ILR uh, sticker things that's now faded on the back of my phone. But I just remember since then, you know, she sort of 
they ha- she has an infectious way, her and Tyler, of just being like, you know what, you need some guidance, come here. So they've always been like that. Um, she helped me when I had a diversity. Um, I was diversity hosting for the first time as a freshman with Kareem and just showing him around campus, et cetera. Uh, tell us, because you told me, I mean, you've been a Disney, uh, you work for Disney in their HR department or their negotiation department. You can tell us um, how has Cornell ILR particularly, how has it developed your personal career interests? Uh, what are they? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that ILR um, really helped me. Um, I think the first, the first thing that really helped me was getting a, getting the job working in the admissions office. That was probably one of my first real jobs outside of like babysitting back at home and stuff like that. So I would say that that really prepared me for professional, my professional um, journeys. And like after that, like I pursued a credit internship um, working for the Walt Disney Company in their labor relations department. And I feel like that also prepared me for what, you know, the job world was going to look like, you know, my mom's a teacher, um, so her her professional, her career just looked a little bit different than what corporate America was going to look like. And I would say that definitely ILR prepared me just because it gave me a well-rounded education on, or even real-world experiences on what it was, what I, what it was going to look like, what what where, what I was going to look like in those spaces, you know, how I was going to feel in those spaces. Can I feel, do I feel like I was going to be my most authentic self and how can I use the necessary tools that I, you know, in my personal life to feel like I can bring my whole self to work, you know, and I had a lot of challenges at, at Disney. Um, definitely their lookbook was a big challenge for me just because it was something that I felt stifled the creativity um, of younger people and especially black people. And I remember speaking up because um, I was when the Crown Act um, was passed in California because I worked in the Anaheim um, location and letting them know that like your lookbook is telling a lot of people that they can't telling a lot of black people that they can't look a certain way and their hairstyle has been looking like this for centuries. Like you guys are gonna have to fix that because the crown act was just passed and that's a problem. And I feel like ILR kind of helped me develop, develop that voice, you know, using law um, within the workplace and, and, and letting your superiors know that like they need to, you know, be more lenient in terms of having a lookbook that's ridiculous in the 21st century. Um, and then after that, um, I you know, com- completely switched tracks and gone into, um, BlackRock, which is a asset management company. And now I'll be working, you know, in a lot in client services um, portion. And that's completely different from what like ILR is. Um, but I think that ILR just gives me the well-rounded education to be, to do that. I think the whole one major and those possibilities is, is so true. Um, just because literally you can see that I like jumped all the way around all over corporate America. Um, and I'm just happy that like, I can do that with this major. I feel like the this major didn't, doesn't, didn't like pigeonhole me to do it, to do like HR. I, I felt like I was able to use that major and like switch paths and do what I actually want to do, which is going to t- tech consulting and like, hopefully like pursuing like product management or within the tech space. Um, but like one thing to point out, like, I know that like a lot of people like might have look at like look at like a lot of less black students within corporate America and might think that it's like completely unethical for us to enter these spaces. But I feel like blaming low income POC communities for like merely like surviving in this capitalist like oppression is just completely problematic. Like we have to merely survive. And so surviving is entering these spaces, breaking them down and bringing more black people to the table so that we can make these organizations for us, you know, or or just help us. Um, So like. I just want to like say that just because I feel like a lot of people looked at my career path and was like, wow, like you took a completely different path than like most of us would all, all of us would take. Because I know everyone always says, okay, you're an ILR. Are you the finance route or like corporate America route? Or are you the nonprofit route? And I'm like, okay, I went the, the corporate America route just merely to survive. Um, so, yeah. 
no, I feel that in terms of just, yeah, you have to survive. And did y'all both come into ILR thinking, I want to be a lawyer? Did y'all both do that a little bit? Yeah, we all. Yeah, I still do. I still do. Well, Tyler still does. But, you know, a lot of people <laughs> fake it. I, I still do, too. Um, but, but Tyler was real in terms of with her um, aspirations, not being legal and, and being in ILR. I think that that's sometimes hard. But she's also, I mean, I remember um, Tyler, when she would, um, when she came back to Cornell after having an internship, she was just talking, I remember, about Disney and, like, even advocating for workers and, uh, like, in, in the company or negotiation, just saying, like, this is unfair, you know, to, to workers that work in the parks or whatever. Um, am I right? No, yeah, like, that was something, I remember talking to you about that, because I felt like being in there, like, working in the company and knowing that you were creating rules for people that worked in the parks that were low income, I felt like there was, like, a barrier. I feel like the barrier just presented a level of, I'm a superior, and I'm making rules, and I'm gonna punish you for, for, for cursing, or punish you for, for things that are just ridiculous, for, for coming into work with pink nail polish on. I feel like that was so crazy to me. I was like, this cannot be happening in the 21st century. Like you limiting people like this um, and saying that it's because you want them to be um, representative of what everyone else outside of the parks looks like. And I was like, the real world does not look like that. The real world doesn't have that many rules on what nail polish you can have or what hairstyle you have. Like, I feel like Disney likes to pride themselves on, especially in their new content of being so open and, and like, you know, you know, being so open and inclusive. However, you have rules set on people that work in your parks that generate most of your money. Like that's ridiculous. Um, so that was, I, I couldn't go back just because of that mirror, like this lookbook that just drove me crazy. No, I feel that. Um, I know she's also, last thing before we leave Tyler Carew White, she's also a, a Delta, right? You, you crossed not too long ago. So talk about your sisterhood. Um, why why Delta? Um, what are y'all's colors? It's like, no, 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 I got you, got you, got you. Ah, crimson and cream. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I can say that this is probably one of the best decisions that I've made so far um, at Cornell. I think that um, I knew this was or this organization was for me just because there was a lot of women that took me under their wing um, my freshman year and sophomore year um, and helped me, you know, become become successful at Cornell and seeing that women were dedicated to doing that. And especially because that's also within their, in their mission statement. Um, I also wanted to do that for a woman that I saw at Cornell. And so I was like, let me. I want to join the organization because I see you in me and I see myself in you. Um, and that was the main, that was probably like the, the biggest reason why I joined this organization. And I, I can say that I found wonderful line sisters that um, are like, are forever, you know, forever going to be sisters to me. Like, I feel like they, they are a woman that are passionate in similar things in terms of public service, in terms of like that sisterhood and giving love to each other. And I can say that like, because of that, I want to exude that same energy to any girl, regardless of whether or not they're in my sorority or not, just because I feel like that is what is important to the Black community, having that shared love, having that shared, let's give back to our communities. And that's the reason why I joined the Mugama chapter of Dustin with Sorority Incorporated was that dedication to making sure that we were going to give back, regardless of, I know, like, I don't know if you guys see now our Red Table Talk. So regardless of COVID and regardless of the virtual environment, we're still going to do what we got to do because that's what, what we intended to do. We intended to give back. And so you know, I know you guys seen the Red Stable talk um, and all the wonderful conversations that we've been having with our profiles regarding financial literacy to uh, food insecurity and all the other conversations. So like that, those little things do help in educating um, our communities. And so, yeah. Yeah. I see she's been spinning off of uh, Jada's show. 
I, I saw y'all doing it. I love that. No, I've, I've been watching um, those um, Red Table Talks. I actually watched that. So I'm glad that you brought that up as well. Um, let, let's transition to Miss Tyler Dixon. Okay, so I met, where did I meet Tyler? I don't remember where I met Tyler. Probably in Kevin, right? Where was it? I think so. I don't remember either. I don't remember either. I was trying to think back. And then like we knew each other. I don't remember. I don't remember either. But I know this. I know she's from, She's she lives in DMV. Right from DMV, but her mama, from my understanding, is from uh, Hemingway, South Carolina. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's about an hour away. I'm I'm from Marion, South Carolina, so Hemingway is about an hour, and from there. And let me tell you, listen, the country we live, we're from the country. We are from the country. Uh, now I live in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, which is the capital. But uh, we immediately like bonded, connected over that, just saying like, "Who do you know? Who do you know?" Et cetera, et cetera. I remember. Both these Tylers talking to me one day in Catherwood about their internships and they, they just taught me. I just, you know, I take out my, my pen and my notepad. They're like, don't do this, don't do this, you know, do this program, talk to this person, et cetera. But Tyler Dixon just graduated. So, so first of all, congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. Yeah. Tell us, um, we know you're in ILR, but tell us minors, distinctions. What was that GPA you graduated with in that last semester? <laughs> Okay, so let me tell you. I remember when we talked in Catherwood, me and Tyler with you, and we were trying to tell you, like, you're on the right path. Like, when I came in as a freshman, I did not know what I was doing. I did not know what I was doing. And then, like, internship time came around, and, you know, people were getting internships after for freshman summer, and I didn't have an internship. So I'm like, okay, like, am I going to be behind? And then I realized, like, once you get the hang of Cornell, once you get the hang of it, like, you you end up fine. Like, so, and like I said before, like, yes, I did very well senior year, junior year. But freshman and sophomore year, I did not know what I was doing. I, I came out of high school thinking, oh, I don't have to study. I don't have to, like, pay attention because I'm going to do good on the test anyway. Yeah, boy, was I wrong. Okay. But, yeah, I kind of got the swing of things, and I ended up graduating with a good GPA. Um, and then when I got my first internship, that was sophomore year. And this goes into the whole HR thing and having a chosen path. I ended up with the HR internship. HR was not what I wanted to do. But I was like, I'm going to take this internship. It was with Cummins Incorporated in Atlanta. I got lucky because in Atlanta, most of the office is Black. Atlanta has such a, a big Black population. So I fell in love with the company. Not because I wanted to do HR, but because like they made it clear, if you don't want to do HR just because your internship is in that, like we can find something else for you. Just do the best you can this summer. So that's what I did. Then credit internship comes around fall, same time as Tyler's. Um, so I had to get one here at home in DC. I was going to do Disney, but I had to get one here because I needed to get treatments done for my autoimmune disease. So I had to be at home. And I ended up with Siegel Incorporate, Siegel Consulting. That's when I realized consulting was not for me. Okay. It was not. And I'm grateful because now I know because everyone was like, you know, consulting was where the money at. Um, like you should try to give it a chance. Some of the things that I heard in that office, I was like, yeah, this is not the environment for me. There was some um like sexism going on, racism going on. And I just like had to keep my mouth closed spring of that year comes along. They asked me to come on part-time. 
of course I can work part-time, you know, while I'm at Cornell, I can use the extra money. But in my head, I'm like, okay, I know I'm not returning to this company because there are some consulting firms that'll treat you how you deserve to be treated. But that one, I just had mixed feelings about it. So then junior summer comes along. I ended up back with Cummings Incorporated. Um, and I was an HR intern again. But, you know, I really enjoyed the company. I enjoy what they stand for. Uh, they allow their employees to express themselves how they want to. And I really enjoy that. Uh, it doesn't always feel like work. Um, they like are there to mentor you and things like that. And they really want to see you grow. So I'm thinking, you know, like I might get a job offer from them, but if it's an HR, like what am I going to do? Because like I'm trying to be a lawyer eventually, you know, like I didn't necessarily want to go into the HR route. And I felt like I was stuck because my internships were in HR, but that's that's not necessarily true. So I let them know that. And they actually found a position for me in Nashville. It doesn't start until June of this year. And it's in employee benefits, which still isn't something that I knew I was going to be doing, but like I'm open to it. So I'm going to be an employee benefit specialist and just prepare for law school. I might give it a year or two, you know, see how I like it. But I've never been to Nashville, so I'm like, eh. but I'll see how I like it. But law school is still like in my future, I feel. Um, and then what else is this question about? Oh, it was just about that. But you went ahead and went into the career interest. So go ahead and talk about that transition to just co the corporate world like you're talking about and just what the plan is now that you've graduated. So I really like what Tyler said about like how it's this negative um, like perception of people of color that like go into the corporate world is like, okay, you're supporting capitalism. But honestly, like we need to be in those spaces because if we don't like take those positions, it's only going to get worse. Like, and I feel like in like putting ourselves in these positions, like with the corporate world, we're allowed change to happen. If we shy away from it or like don't involve ourselves in it, then it's just going to continue to be issues. Um, so yeah. Um, and as far as law school goes, I do want to do a civil rights law. That's like what I want to do and come back home to DC to pursue that. But I mean, I was going to go into law school directly after college, but you know, things happen. And that just goes to show like you may have a plan coming to college and it might not go as planned, but everything happens for a reason. I truly believe that. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at right now. God, yeah, I believe that. I believe all things happen for a reason. And that, that gap year after Cornell is sounding real good right now. Uh, it's it sounding very provocative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've always had that, that struggle with what it means to, to quote unquote sell out, even when it comes to the legal field, like, you know, you go to, you know, Yale or Duke Law or Harvard or whatever school, right? And most of those kids are aiming to be in big law, right? Whereas the, the, the real trouble comes, well, I always wanted to be a civil rights attorney or I wanted to be in public interest law. I wanted to do something that was helping my community that could help, you know, that those that are at the margins of society that, I mean, honestly, that could maybe end the death penalty, right? Do I want to do work like Brian Stevenson. But Brian Stevenson's work, you know, He's one in a, a million. That's really because he wrote a book and a movie. But I mean, he he really was able to break through. And we don't 
his salary was not enough to pay off 300 some thousand dollars of school debt. So it's like, where do I go in terms of sometimes you, you, you thought about going to that corporate space, but then you realize, well, there's only two, only 2% of attorneys are even black. So they, they're obviously needed in these spaces. And I think that some of that debacle just needs to be squashed and we just need to be happy for representation on all levels, especially when I'm talking about black women like Tyler Creel, white Tyler Dixon. So I'm very happy to see y'all, you know, penetrating these spaces where we have not been historically. Um, my last question, set of, the last two questions are about Women's History Month. Um, I know that, you know, Tyler Curry White has somewhere to go because, you know, it's her birthday month, y'all. So I'm not going to hold y'all too long. But I do want to ask y'all, who are some some hidden Black figures in your lives? Um, I know there's a movie called Hidden Figures about Black women, but Black women in general across this country are just hidden figures a lot of times. You you don't even realize some of the greatest white folks we 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 admire had 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 black women who basically raised them <laughs> whether it working in their house as domestics or just you know whatever it is and so who are those women in your lives as black women who are your hidden figures that inspire you hello so this is going to sound so cliche but i'm going to say my mom um she her and my dad really started from the bottom like they my dad's from birmingham and my mom's from south carolina so you already know what they dealt with growing up. Um, they dealt with, like, of course, racism and they're, the people around them, like the Black people around them feeling like, oh, I can't achieve these things because, like, Black people down South don't do these things, you know? And they ended up moving here and starting their own company from scratch, air conditioning and heating. And, you know, when I was growing up, she was on me, like, and I used to hate it. I used to be like, why are you, like, why can't I get a B? Why can't I do this? Like, why can't I go this place? Why can't I, why can't I be on my phone? Like, why are you taking my phone? And, you know, looking back on it, I'm so grateful that she did those things to me. So grateful. Cause it got me where I am now. Um, a lot of the things that I know now and how to carry myself is because of her. Um, so yeah, I would definitely say my mom, also my grandmother as well. Uh, my grandpa's a preacher, so she's the first lady of a church from Birmingham. They're from Birmingham. Um, and, you know, seeing how she carries herself as a first lady and helps helps the community and things like that, it definitely inspires me to do the same. Yeah, I have to agree with Tyler. Like, my mom is definitely one of the most influential person, people that, like, has shaped me today just because seeing how much she sacrificed in order to make sure that me and my siblings were going to be okay. And also for her family to be okay. I think that that's one of the most respectable things that she can do, especially also being a teacher in New York city um, and not getting paid as much for all the work that they do. I feel like teachers are not, don't get the respect that they need, that they deserve. Even in pay, they don't get the respect. Um, they literally teach our generations. And I feel like my mom's mom too, all of those kids that she taught since I was before I was born. So I have to say that she's probably one of the most influential people ever because she did that and she did it humbly. Like she was someone that never asked for anything. She always knew I can do it myself and I can I can teach these kids. I can teach my own kids too. I can balance both. Um, 
And I really do appreciate it for that. And I appreciate just like, again, like how humble she is giving back. Um, like my mom never, never complains about anything. And I really do appreciate that. And I, everything that I do is for her just because I want her to retire and be okay, you know, retire and not have to worry about paying for a lot of the things for my family, just because she's the one of the only ones that went to college, you know? So and the other person I feel like that's feel like the biggest inspiration to me is my twin sister. Um, just because she challenges me all the time because she knows so much about me um, and lives with me. I feel like she's someone that has seen me in different different areas. And so she can tell me, Tyler, like you need to fix yourself. Like this is not this is not you. I know who you are. Literally, I was born next to you. Like you need to get it together. Or I feel like she can. She honestly tells me how it is in the most real sense. And I feel like I don't feel like she's talking down on me. I feel like she's talking to me as my equal and just trying to make me do better. And I can, I, that's what I would say. The two, those two people are like the biggest influences in my life. Of course, y'all, y'all talked about black mamas. So I guess I got to shout out mine. Uh, yeah, my mom, I, I relate so much to y'all's um, stories. Just uh, my mom, of course, being from South Carolina. And then I guess with Tyler Career why it's just, you know, my mom being a, a single divorced, black mom uh and i'm her i am her only child but i definitely felt like especially growing up you know my mom provided the way for me um in terms of education in terms of you know, just opportunity making sure that i had the best you know what i'm saying my mom's just had a way of always doing that and uh, she is an awesome uh, lady her name is Angela Cross, and so I give a shout out to my mama today. I love her too. During Women's History Month, I want to know though because I have so much um, respect for her and Black women, but I I know that I want to see Black women be celebrated um, and and elevate in ways spiritually, emotionally, mentally. What are your hopes for Black women? This is the last question. What's your hopes for Black women in the next year in this twenty twenty one? You know. I feel like there's so much I would want for Black women just because I feel like it's a process that I feel like hasn't even started or scratched the surface of what needs to happen. I feel like Black women need to be celebrated, loved, appreciated, um, honored, and all and, and all in any more. More than that, I'm not going to lie to you, um, just because I feel like Black people feel, Black women specifically, because they have a lot of expectations set upon them from their own communities, from outside communities, um, that like, just limit us in so many different ways. And I feel like they're, we're all multifaceted. I feel like there's so much to us. And I feel like we can essentially, we can do it all, you know, if we really put our minds together and, and create the resources for us um, to be able to do it all. So that's one hope that I have for Black women to be able to feel like they can do whatever they want, however they want, um, and not feel like they have to put a tiny, cute bow on top of it. Um, they don't need the bow, they, you know? So like, I just want Black women to just be celebrated for that, for doing whatever, however they please and doing it the way they want to. I agree. Um, I definitely would say like, my hope is for Black women to um, be unapologetic about the things that they do and the decisions that they make. Um, I feel like a lot of responsibility is on the blacks of, is on the backs of Black women. And like, I feel like we're always the savior for other people. And sometimes we like need to make sure that our mental health is right. Make sure that like we're taking care of ourselves. So that's definitely what I want to see for from like black women is to be unapologetic about the decisions that you make, the choices you make, whether that be your career, your relationships, anything. And I will also say like um, 
just make sure that we take care of ourselves and put ourselves first because black women are so loving and we want to help everyone. Yeah, that's great. And we should continue to do that, but we still have to take care of ourselves as well. Self-care celebration. You heard it. Yeah. (laughs) Self-care celebration. I love it. Listen, tell us how we can stay in touch. Well, do y'all have any last words or anything you all want to say? Just thank you for having us. Yeah, no, thank you for having us. And like, maybe one thing is like, just sort of be intentional about what you want to do in this world. It's, you only have, again, like one life to live. I know that's so corny to say, but like, do whatever you want. Um, I think that we were talking about like earlier that like, I feel like during this quarantine, a lot of Black people have been saying like, let me pick up what my passion project is. I have time to do that now. So pick that up and do it and do it today. Um, You have, you never know what can happen tomorrow. So yeah, that's one thing I would say, just be intentional and do what you want. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like, for example, me, like, I was wanting to start a YouTube channel. And I'm like, I think in my head, like, oh, like, if I would have started my YouTube channel when I said, like, I would have had so many followers by now. So then I don't do it. But it's like, I'm going to look back two years from now and think the same thing about now. So I might as well do it now, you know? And I feel like the sky is the limit. So just do what you want to do. Do what makes you happy because you only get one life. And then that's it. So just do what you want to do. Do it now. Do it now. She said, do it now. So that means I got to take this to YouTube too. That means I got to start like launching out and expanding the platform. So we'll see. Um, But I'm just so grateful to have had y'all here today. Um, Thank you for for being here. Thank you. Um, This is really iconic. You know, these are busy, busy women. So I'm, I'm glad to have them. Tell us social media handles everything you have so we can stay in contact with you so my instagram is urban h-y-m-n-s underscore and my twitter is young urban y-u-n-g urban um oh and then i have linkedin so professional stuff hit me up on linkedin (laughs) yeah no same professional stuff hit me up on linkedin my social media platform the only one that i use is instagram um, which is tied at c.w. Um, hopefully I build a YouTube channel. We gonna see in the future. Me and Ty won't be on a, our own YouTube platform. So check that out when it comes out. But <laughs> yeah. That's dope. Yeah, I can never find um, Tyler Dixon's Instagram page, but I'm looking for it because I can't remember young urbans or urban hymns or whatever it is. So yeah, hopefully I can find it now that she said that. Um, so yeah, y'all, it's been Miss Tyler Korea White and Miss. Tyler Dixon. Thank y'all for tuning in today. I hope you all are encouraged now more than ever to be engaged and be unapologetically Black. My people, happy Women's History Month to all the Black women out there. To see when more new and upcoming episodes of Black Voice on the Hill for other Cornell and Ithaca News. Follow Black Voices on the Hill on Instagram. Follow WVBRFM News on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or visit WVBR.com slash Black Voices. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can tell Alexa, I want to hear Black Voices on the Hill. Tune in right here on WVBR 93.5 FM every Friday at 2 p.m. The podcast releases on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. We'll see you next week. Shout out to my co-producers, Mike Seitz, Grace Fairchild, and Lauren, who does the music. And my intro and outro check. Peace out, y'all. Don't y'all go nowhere. <laughs>